Amen. All the people said amen. I got to hasten to the word, so I'm going to ask you to be friendly after I conclude. Esther chapter 4. And we'll shake hands later. Esther chapter 4 and verse number 13 and 14. And I'm... calling the church to the attention of the word of God. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, which is which is a a, a natural command because he's not talking to Esther directly. He's speaking to a messenger that when that would then relay the message to the queen. So when you read that he commanded it, it means say it exactly like I'm telling you. Don't add or leave anything out. This is what I want you to say to her. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at the time, Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Who knows whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And everybody said amen. And just put your Bibles behind you if you need to. And just for a moment, close your eyes. Pray that the Lord would help you receive the word and the seed would be planted in your heart. In Jesus' name right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let there be a seed. Let it grow. Let it grow uninhibited, unencumbered. I pray against the enemy that would seal it out of their hearts. I pray against every weed, against every chaff that would rise against it to choke it out. I pray that the word would find the soil, the good soil of the heart of the people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It is a familiar passage taken from a particular moment in time. That last small line of Esther 4.14. It's been the building block of a million sermons and lessons. However, if we put the scene into its proper context, then it must be noted that the people of Israel have long since left their freedom. Sin and the repetitive nature has spiraled them into the command of a heathen monarch. All of it plays into the drama that has become their history over and over again. Sin and then repentance and then Bondage and then deliverance and repeat that process 
This Persian king has banished his former queen. Perhaps even something more sinister. Which now leaves a vacancy that Esther will fill. It seems that she has taken the instruction of what would be her adopted father, Mordecai. More like an uncle, in particular an older cousin, yes. But in those days, the attending caregiver was called father. It was so with Abraham and Lot, a host of other families. Mordecai has instructed Esther to conceal her ethnicity. So she tells no one that she's a Jewish girl. The king, when he sees her, is so struck with her beauty that he quickly chooses her to be the new queen. He wants her by his side. While the other wannabes have spent months trying to better themselves, you can read it in the Bible, Esther's natural beauty was more than enough to win the favor of the nation's most powerful ruler. But in the complexity of a clandestine affair where jealous leaders seek to slaughter people and in particular to slaughter the Jewish people, something is transpiring. The enemy's name is Haman. Esther has been positioned by God to be more than just the new queen of Persia. She has been ordained for some higher calling. Though now she hides behind the palace walls and the luxury of the trappings of royalty. But she hears of Mordecai's crying, his weeping, his prayers. His clothes are purposely torn. He wails in ash, fit for a beggar. Mordecai is preaching of the coming crisis. When Esther hears of his actions, she's taken by the news, but rather more so by his appearance. In prophetic tone, Mordecai is sending a message. It's as if he's speaking from another time. Mordecai spoke as if he's standing months or even years beyond his current day. It was the future calling back to the present. He said, don't think That you alone will escape. And that everyone else will die. Because if you don't speak up. Then there shall be an enlargement. Deliverance arise. For the Jewish people. It will come from another place. But perhaps. You've been purposed here. Mordecai knows that God will not allow. The people to be completely wiped out. Even still he prays. He fasts. He cries. Before the palace gates. He says it. If you don't speak. If you hold your peace. If you think that you alone will be spared. Just know. Help will come from another place. There shall be an enlargement and a deliverance to the Jews. He said relief and deliverance will arise from other locations. It will come. God will not leave us stranded. From his own words, it's clear that Mordecai was praying for the salvation of the people. Yes, he prayed for the people. He interceded on behalf of the Jewish people. But he also said, God will raise up someone. So it was not out of fear of total annihilation. Though that was the plot of the enemy. But it was not for personal concern of being killed. That might have happened also. But rather, he prayed for both the people and for the purpose of Esther. 
He was telling her that God was going to save them. It's as if he was standing on the other side of the conflict, looking backward. God's salvation, it's coming. It's without, it's without a doubt. There was a fact that God is going to save his people. Mordecai knows that God will have a people called by his name, but Mordecai is speaking from beyond the moment. He's advanced in time. Somehow he's declaring God's salvation of the people as if it has already happened. But you, Esther, you have a choice. And what has led you to this moment is critical. You are not the queen for your personal pleasure. Your gift of beauty might garnish you a a royal entry, but there is a purpose for your life. If you could hear the sound of the future, ladies and gentlemen, it would tell you that today's decision will always determine tomorrow's outcome. Hear this. Not for the whole, but for the one. For the whole, God is going to have a bride. He will have a church. Whether or not we're in that, I cannot tell. I hope. He will save his people. But the future, your future, is speaking about what you're doing today. There's a reason for your entry into this house. And today is a very important day. Oh my. This is the day that will determine your tomorrow. Today is going to determine what happens two years from now and three years from now and maybe even a decade from now might rest on this day. Decisions that you're making today may very well last for the rest of your life. Your decision about relationships, who you will have a relationship with and who you will not. Your decision about serving and giving and living, it's all adding up to a result that you may not be able to see. We think that our daily choices are minimal. We think that they're fleeting, maybe to no avail, some minimal moment, benign thing. But the future is calling back to us. Words spoken, attitudes displays, displayed, all of it setting your life on a path. The purpose for whatever you possess was always meant for the kingdom. You may not know that, but there's a cry and a voice from the future that tells you today, if you can hear it. I've often wondered if I just sing for the moment. Am I praising just because of the past? All those things are good. They're true. I thank the Lord for his mighty acts. I praise him according to his excellent greatness. But something inside of me calls out. It's, It's not about yesterday. And it's not a sound just from the present. There is a cry from our future. It's asking us to worship. My dance, my shout, my clapping of my hands, my love for him now. The songs that we sing now, they are determining our tomorrow. Such a time as this. That always leads to this. And what this is will become that. What I did young, in my younger years, they've led me to this moment. But I cannot stop now because what I'm going to do today is going to determine who I am tomorrow. Sometimes we clap because God's been good to us. Sometimes we clap because we feel the present joy. Sometimes we sing because of all the things that we've learned in our life. And we remember the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And sometimes we sing and we shout because of our present situation. But I wonder how many can say, and we've got to do this. I'm not singing just because of the past. I'm not in the emotion of the present. But I'm doing something today that's going to determine my tomorrow. Watch. 
It's a hard thing for the American culture. It's a hard sermon for the American people. It reminds me of an interview that I had watched some years ago. It was a pitiful thing. It was a, it was a man. I, uh, it was, it was, it was distressing. I, I couldn't really tell his age. He did not say, but he had lived hard years. You could see it in his face, his battered skin, his sunken eyes, his teeth, the eyes, hard years, the sunkenness. He, he may not have been an old man, but he had, he had lived some hard living and it stripped him of his life and strength. He told of himself how he had seen too much and how he had done things he wished he could undo. He wished he would never had done. He made one statement that caught my attention when he spoke of a wrong path. He didn't use the word wrong path, but he did say, and I quote, If I could go back and talk to myself when I was young, I would tell myself, don't ever open that door. And then there was no elaboration, just the wrong door. He didn't say what door it was, but something happened in his early 20s that led him to a miserable life and a miserable state. He said, if I could just go back and talk to myself, don't ever go through that door. And the future now has a voice, his calling that must be considered. It sounds like none other and it's focused on your day today, what you're doing today. And I hope that you can receive the word from this house because the Holy Spirit is reaching for people. He's reaching for you that, but that tomorrow is, is quickly coming and today is critical to your life. Jude said it like this, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking, it's ahead, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal law, unto eternal life. You see, if you don't build yourself up now, then you can't see the eternal life tomorrow. Uh, we so often dismiss the now. As if the now doesn't matter. We pass it by as if these moments are minimal. But if our future self could speak, it would tell us that today matters more than we ever could imagine. In fact, in this house, there's probably a cumulative mountain of regrets. We don't talk about it. Anyone who says they don't have regrets, they lie. That's a lie. We all have regrets. We all would like to go back and undo a few things in our life. We have to understand what today is. It's a critical day. It's an important day. Yes. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we must begin. There will be a bride. God will have a church. And what you do will determine where you will be. And even while I preach now, there is a war in the spirit. It shows its ugliness. It comes out in our language, and our conduct, sometimes in a flippant way. You can feel it in seemingly, seemingly harmless acronyms like YOLO. Which stands for you only live once. It's not meant in the same respect as carpe diem. It's not meant to suggest that you should seize the day. But rather it's meant to suggest that you should cast caution to the wind and just live it up. Like in the days of Noah, people eating and drinking and nonstop celebration were running to the next high and to the next adventure. It's in print everywhere you go. Live for the weekend. That's not what the church is about. We're not living, living for today. We're not living just for the moment. We're not living for the weekend. The future is calling for you and the future is trying to tell you, don't devour your day with the trivial. 
This is why, this is why there's a struggle in the spirit world. Because, because the spirit world is warring against the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of this age is to tell you, you deserve something. You should have a fun life and a good life. I remember, I remember a woman speaking to us and she said, I raised my kids and now it's my turn to have some fun. What are you talking about? You've raised your children. They're never gone. You still have to have an example, but that's the mindset. I will tell you a future is calling out to you. You don't see it right now. You don't know it right now. Because some of you are young enough to consider yourself handsome or beautiful. But the Bible says beauty is fleeting. You don't believe it. When you look in the mirror, you don't believe it. Some believe it. Solomon wrote... Remember, you're creating the days of your youth while you have strength because there'll come a day when your legs won't work and your teeth won't work and your eyes grow dim. So what are you doing today? You got to build something for tomorrow. I'm not just here to entertain everybody. I'm here because I know tomorrow is coming. I don't just clap my hands because I'm glad about yesterday, but I'm worshiping today because I know tomorrow I'm going to have to draw on what I'm doing right now in this house. Come on, wake up, ladies and gentlemen. You're standing in the last days of time. You're standing at the end time. Now is not the moment to give up on your faith. Now is not to live just for your weekend. Yes. And Elijah said it like this. Get up. Oh, king, get up. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. As if Elijah is standing on the other side of the rain. There is no rain. There's, there are no clouds. Because right after he makes that statement, he sends his servant up to look for a sign. Go see if you find a cloud. He heard it before he saw it. There was more than just a conviction in his voice. It was a matter of fact. Your natural eyes can't behold it. Your natural ears cannot hear it. Your fleshly mind cannot conceive it. But rain is coming, so get up. Get up. Get prepared. Right now, today, get prepared. If you knew what day you were going to die, or you knew what hour the Lord was going to come back, how would you live? No, I'll tell you what's happened to us. We've left our sobriety. We're not sober. We're not sober. We're flippant. We're trying to find out what's going to make us happy. We're making plans to make ourselves happy. That's why there's very little meditation. There's very little meditation because meditation means we have to captivate our thought. I'm preaching the word today. You want to get free in in your brain, in your mind, in your emotions? I'll tell you why your emotions are wrecked. Because you have so much input just jamming all the input in your mind. And you're living for things and trying to find another high. It is a natural endorphin that's released in your brain. It's giving you a good high. It's from video games all the way to vacations. It's from buying a new thing to open up the mailbox and finding another thing that you bought on Amazon. I got to preach the word today. You can look at me, but I'm going to tell you, I'm speaking to your spirit. I'm trying to talk to you because your, your future is calling back to you. And your future is saying, get ready right now. Make an investment right now. Hear me. If you want to live the life of a fornicator, you're going to pay for it tomorrow. Don't think that you can fornicate and you can have all kinds of sexual exploits and still live a holy, godly life because you're not saved. I know what this kind of preaching does. I know what it does. 
But I'm just going to preach the word because I know that if the future could speak, it would say, get out of that relationship. Stop that mess. Get off of that thing. Stop looking at that thing. Stop talking like that. It's messing you up. You're becoming corrupted. How do people become so cold and indifferent to the Lord? How? I'll tell you how they become cold. Day by day by day by day. Disregarding this time and that time. But I'm going to stand up and just say, I'm interceding on your behalf. I'm praying for the whole congregation. But I'm also pleading for you. You have come to this moment for such a time as this. Get ready, be planted, set your feet on the rock. If you're not consecrated today, make some radical changes in your home. If you're not sold out to the kingdom, today is your day to get sold out. Because your future is calling for your devotion to the things of God. Last night in, in, in my sleep, the Lord whispered something in my mind, woke me up about church investment, time investment. In fact, he specifically talked about time and money, energy, serving. And then he spoke to me about the excuses that people give themselves for not investing, for not giving, for not serving. But there are other questions that ought to be asked. How much do babies out of wedlock cost? (laughs) How much does bail, jail, court fees cost you? How much does rehabilitation cost? How much does a constant addiction cost? How much does a dysfunctional family or cold and indifference cost? How much time does it take to undo what need not ever be done? Let me ask you this. How much involvement is the kingdom worth to you? But you think that today's investment is too great. But there's a voice a few years from now speaking. Get up. The rain is coming. The time is closing. And your commitment here and now is paying you a dividend that will become your peace in the future. You don't know what peace means. Because peace doesn't sound as cool as a new car. Peace, harmony, it it, it doesn't feel like it's worth that much. But let me tell you, there are people that are spending millions of dollars trying to get peace. And they're trying to recover something they've lost a long time ago. Oh, Jesus, I feel this now in the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm talking to the body today. Do you know what's going on? Do you realize what's happening? We become intoxicated with what's happening around us and never thinking. Tomorrow is the day. That's why there are so many people struggling in this very moment. Do you know why they're struggling? They have no They have no future. They get there and they have nothing prepared. It's stunning to read the Gallup and Kinsley polls, different ones, that most people in America have less than $500 in their savings account. 
Now, some of the polls are, are they, they splice off the folks that are struggling living week to week, which is understandable. But the survey was not focused on that segment of the population. It's focused on the middle class and the upper class. The number is staggering. They don't have $500. They, they've saved almost nothing. In fact, it's astounding how many people work for Google and are living in California right now and they got no money. Zero. Because they're trying to keep up with all the other workers and they're making two hundred fifty and $300,000 a year and they don't have enough money to live. And they're living in little bedrooms and they're pulling curtains and they're spending $3,000 a month each. They're sharing one sink and one little hot plate. They're trying to get in with the crowd. But if anything happens, they're devastated. It's incredible that people get into their senior years Aging years and want to retire, but they put nothing back. On Heritage Sunday, I want to give something to the younger generation. I want to pass an inheritance along that came from the heritage. I may not be able to give a lot of money, and I cannot give away gifts, but I can give you this. There will be an apostolic church. There will be holiness, and there will be baptism in Jesus' name. And if you peeled it all down, you'll find the human flaw. It's nothing short of hedonism. Hedon. Hedonism. It means instant gratification. Hedonism means we live for the here and now. But a wise man built his house on the rock. And when you build your house on the rock, it's not about the here and now. I know this is Sunday morning. I know we have guests here. I know lots of people are watching I think I need to warn somebody. You better stop messing around. You're messing up your future right now. You're playing a game. It's a dangerous game. You're caught in a web. It won't be long when you won't feel conviction any longer. You won't feel it. In fact, you'll make excuses. and Then you'll say, it doesn't really matter. Hear the voice of the word of God today. You're messing around. You, you've come for such a time as this. God has prepared. I don't know why, but he has prepared this moment for your life. Don't think, don't, don't think that you're going to be saved in the end, but you're not working on it now. Because there was five foolish virgins, and when the bride, bridegroom came, they were stunned. They started out well, but they lost all of their oil, and the oil is the Holy Ghost. And they're drained, and they're empty, and you can't share. You can't share my salvation. You can't share anyone else's salvation. So I rise to say to everybody, this is the day. Get it together. Right now, you've got the chance. Your future is calling you. Come on now. Come on. you got to build your house on the rock. you got to build your house on the truth. you got to build your life on the gospel, on the doctrine, on the scripture, on prayer, on commitment. Hey, I wonder if I've got a witness in this house. We will make our choice for the Lord. Mm -hmm. You see, the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. There were no differences in the houses. (laughs) The storm 
reveals the difference. The storm is inevitable. Storms are mandatory. I'm sorry if the postmodern preacher told you something different. They're not telling you the truth. The kingdom of God suffers violence. And the Bible says we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Houses were the same. But the storm separated them. Not because the storm was different, but it revealed what kind of foundation they had. It is an inescapable commonality. The storm. You're all going to have storms. You're all going to have losses. There will be a death in your family. There will be suffering in your history. There will be unanswered questions in your present. The storm is going to come to everybody. But the difference between you and them is the foundation of your life. And if the future, your future, your future self could talk to you today. If the person that you are five years from now could talk to you. I promise you, that voice would say, get right with God, get committed, don't ever leave. When you get offended, get grounded. Like Job, the striking of the nail only made his resolve deeper into the wood. Every time I'm hit, it just means I'm getting stronger. Every time I'm accused, every time I'm beaten down, it just means my life is getting stronger. Here's 2 Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence, add your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to knowledge temperance. You're never done. You didn't stop after you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You didn't stop after you confessed your faith in Jesus Christ. Add to temperance patience. Add to patience godliness. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. Watch this. He can't see afar off. He can't see. And the person that cannot see afar off also forgets where they came from. He'll forget that he was purged. I'm feeling this Holy Ghost right now and this spirit in this house. I'm preaching to all the people. I'm preaching to all the young people. I'm preaching to all the young adults here. I'm preaching to every mom and dad here. Now is the day. Today is the day. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. You gotta, you gotta wake up right now. Right now. Wake up. Hear the voice. Wake up right now. The world is shifting. Everything is shifting. And the Lord's coming back soon. You hear the sermons. You, you, you feel the spirit. You sing the songs. Now is the day to make something right for tomorrow. Not wait until it's all over. This is what, this is what happened to Joseph. He, he's hearing the dream of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is saying, I, I saw some things I can't explain. I, I saw seven cows, they were gaunt, and I saw seven cows that were healthy, and I, I saw seven ears of corn, and they were good and full, and I, I saw seven ears of corn that were withered and thin, and the thin and the gaunt devoured the full and the whole and the healthy. And Joseph said, well, I, I can tell you what's going to happen, as if it already has happened. And he said, this is the only way to do it, let's store up some grain. 
we're going to build a barn and we're going to put grain in that barn and we're going to we're not going to touch that grain and then we're going to build another barn and we're going to store up in that barn some more grain because there's going to come a famine and the famine's going to consume everything and we're going to have to draw from what we have stored it was tomorrow that was speaking into today and the Bible talks about it in so many places. The ants prepare, not for pleasure, not because they have nothing else to do, but the ants prepare because instinctively they know that winter is on its way. It's, it's not just a conviction. It's, 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 it's instinctive. They know. And as I worship in this house each week, I'm working on my tomorrow because instinctively I know this world is going to wrap up. All of you who have faith in your government and all of your politicians and all the people that are floating around, I want to tell you, don't have faith in them. They're going to let you down every day. Don't believe in the government. Don't believe in the economy. Don't put your faith and trust in gold and silver. I want to rise up again and just say, everybody, you've got to get right with God. Today is the day. Tomorrow is coming. A friend of mine spoke to a, to a young person in his church and, and she told him that she would never be able to have children and, and she would probably never be able to get married because she had been so promiscuous that, that the diseases now that she had, the, the venereal diseases that she had now crippled her and she cried. She said, I know that I'm saved. I know that the Lord has forgiven me, but unless I'm healed, I'll never be able to experience any of those joys and pleasures of childbirth. And I don't even know who I could ever marry because I'll have to declare to them all the problems that I have and wrecked in my body. And she said to her pastor, she said, I was thinking of the moment and I was not thinking of the future. And I wonder how many things we've taken on in ourselves and diseases of our lives and things we're consuming and attitudes that we are displaying and things that we're hearing and relationships that we are building that are contrary to the word of God. I rise up to say, I feel like a prophet of old. And I know all the people you're staring at me. And you're wondering when it's going to get good. I'm going to tell you, it's never going to get better than where it's at right now. Because I'm standing in the way. And I'm crying in the gate. And I'm saying, you are brought to the kingdom. I'm not concerned about your pleasure. And I'm happy if you got some gain, but you better hold something back. In fact, I'm probably more concerned with people who are successful. Because a lot of people leave God when they become successful. A lot of businessmen and businesswomen learn how to cut corners when they become successful. And they'll say, well... I didn't make that much money. That's a lie. You did. But you're letting your business take care of all your expenses. As if God doesn't know what you're doing. I'm concerned about your success. Yeah. Oh, man. I can tell you why you're feeling. Hear me now, sister. I can tell you why you're feeling disenfranchised. You, you left your commitment a long time ago. I, I don't know how this is planned. <laughs> Come tonight, it's going to be better, I hope. Maybe not. I, I can tell you why you feel disenfranchised. You're not committed. Your family's not committed. You don't come on Wednesday nights. You never come to family prayer. You've never signed up for prayer in the prayer room. It's the Lord spoke to me last night. What you don't know is your 
You're already paying a price, but you don't know because the bill hasn't come due. Obviously, I haven't read any of Joel Osteen's books on how to preach. Because when I'm done, no one's going to like me. I hope you can just separate me from the word and let the word speak to you. You know, the prophets had no vested interest. I, I, I do have a vested interest. That's why it's painful for me to preach like this. It's painful because I know I can see things you cannot see. It's like, it's like, it's like some of you who, who look out after your children, you know. Listen, hold on a second. Hold on. If you're going to go down that road, there is destruction on that road. Yes. Now, now, I don't know where the bad parts of town are. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But when I hear about people getting mugged and beaten and, and, and robbed, and, and it, it seems to be, if you go to Indianapolis, there's a few places. And if you go to, go to some of the parts of Chicago and Baltimore and Cleveland, and, and I, I read a thing about Cincinnati, there's just habitual crime in that area. Probably, if you want to stay out of, the, out of the crime and not be robbed, don't go there. Not a sightseeing tour. I don't know what, what's going on here. It's amazing that the, that the professional sports leagues have they, they, they've been going over over this time time and time again. These young men come in and they're they're full of power and strength and they they run the four forty and four five flat. They're incredible and and, and they get them together and I say, listen, they, they listen. Nothing good happens after one o'clock in the morning. As if, and, and the people of God, we kind of pass it off. And I'm going to say, nothing good happens in the world. You got a kid in the church, and you got to get ground in the church, and your future is telling you. There's coming a famine, and you better store up some praise right now. You better get your praise on. You don't know what the famine looks like. It could be your health, it could be, mother. You said to me the other day, if my knees worked properly and my hip worked properly, I'd be shouting. And mother said to me, just know, pastor, even if I'm not dancing and shouting on the outside, I'm doing it on the inside because I just, I don't have the strength. And I'm just kind of wondering if we could just have like a surrogate shouter. Now, some, some of you folks stand in for other people, and you stand in to pray for them. I, I, I know that there's a, f- a few of our elders, they'd love to run around this house and shout and dance and jump. And You don't know where your famine's going to be. Your famine could be your health, and your health could decline. And you might say, well, I'm going to be worshiping tomorrow. I'll get it together tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. I would just say right now, today is the day. This is the hour. Hey! Only what you do for Christ will last. Only what I do for Christ will last. Everything else is going to fade. There's no reason for you to be disenfranchised. There's no reason for you to be cold and different. There's no reason. Come on now. Come love. Come on in. You're already here. You might as well get all the way in. The water is stirring and there's a lot of room for everybody. You don't have to be an outlooker. You don't have to be an onlooker. You don't have to be a gazer. You don't have to be in the audience. You can just get in right now. Now is the day. Come on. Today is our day. Tomorrow is coming and today is our day of investment.
right hand. You don't have every day to shout, but today is your day to shout. You're not shouting for today, but you're building up for tomorrow. What are you waiting for? Don't wait for tomorrow. Hey, do you want to have a good marriage? You want to have a good marriage? You want to have a healthy marriage? Come on, right here. Here, this is where it starts. Right here, healthy marriages start in the altar. Because it's a healthy marriage is first the healthy relationship with God. And when I'm in alignment with God, I'm in alignment with everybody else. Now, maybe not everybody loves me. Maybe not everybody cares about me. But the people that don't care about me, I just have to say this. Whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto men more than unto God, judge ye. I didn't come here just to please everybody. I came here to please God. But if I start to please you, it means that I'm pleasing God. And that means we're brothers and we're sisters in the Lord. I'm I'm feeling this. Tammy, I'm feeling this because we know that the investment's never over. And while we have four children and they're, they're grown, they're mostly grown, the investment's never over. There still has to be love and forgiveness and respect and honor. There has to be servanthood. There has to be devotion to the king and devotion to the Lord and time spent in the house. There has to be time spent in the house. There has to be time spent. Hear me, everybody. Nobody has the perfect family. Everybody has a little dysfunction. And all the people said amen. amen. I know. Some of you put the fun in dysfunction. There's varying degrees of issues. We all got them. No one's perfect. No house is perfect. It doesn't matter what you look like on Sunday. Before you even go to bed tonight, you can have the biggest argument you've ever had in your whole life. I've had a couple of amens. Anyone been ever been there? Don't confess everything right now. You can be angry, but don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. That's the Bible. But dear God, do you have to be angry every day? Do you have to repent every time before you go to bed? Here's a problem. I'll tell you what you do. You make some new investments. Here's your new investment. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to put on a good spirit. I'm going to shout and worship and dance and give. Listen, I found this out. That if you're not serving, you're not involved. Involvement comes from serving. Oh, man. There's, there's a rain coming. There's a famine coming. There's trouble coming. And you're going to have to draw from something. And today we're going we're, we're gonna to put an investment right now, today, right now. Today is my day. I'm going to invest. Lord, I don't know what's coming, but I know whatever's coming, I'm going to bring it right here. 
I, I end with this. Please stand with me. Probably Samson's life and the totality of his life is meant to show us how not to live. And then perhaps at the very end, the nature of God's great forgiveness. But the majority of his life is an erratic, perhaps spoiled, self-centered, egotistical man with a gift that God did not remove. The majority of his life was about him serving himself. But in the course of that ill-fated walk, he comes upon a lion and the anointing of the Lord causes him to have great strength. And the Bible says he tore that lion and left its carcass by the road. Days, perhaps months will go by. And something happens to him. And he finds himself very weak. And he needs something to give him energy. This is a, this is a twist that confounds even the most theological assumption. That a man with great authority and strength that he could defeat any foe, would also find himself weak. And he walks down the road that day feeling very weak, hungry, and tired. Because even the most anointed can get weary. But something happened days, months prior. He did not know that when he defeated the lion, that What he did that day was going to give him strength for the future. And when he's walking by the lion, there in the carcass of that lion, eaten out, rotted away, is a big beehive. And there's honey. The bees have rested there. And they've made a honeycomb. And the Bible says he reached inside of the lion. And he ate the honey. It was a past victory that gave him strength in the present. (laughs) Now listen, I don't know why you're facing that trouble today. All I know is that when you defeated, when you conquer that thing... In the future, you're going to reach into that thing. It's going to feed you and give you strength in a day that you cannot see. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Seal the word of the Lord in the people's hearts, I pray. I thank you for it, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm speaking to a father. Your present day worship will lead the path of your children. I'm speaking to a mother today, a grandmother. Your commitment this hour, your investment this hour, this day. It's going to reap great benefits for you in the future.
I'm calling for everyone today, no matter where you're standing or sitting, wherever you're hearing this word, I'm praying for you today. God's going to have a church. We've got to be a part of it. There's a purpose for our lives. There's a purpose for our lives. Yes, yes. Now I'm going to call for all the church just to begin to pray. I want you to pray right now that the Lord would keep you. I'm calling for a, I'm calling for the whole church to repent. I'm calling for repentance today. You're going to keep us, Lord. Now we're all going to repent together. We're going to repent. Come on now. Here we go. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Clean us, Lord. Come on now. I'm helping you. Forgive me. Clean me, Lord. Forgive me of everything that's in my heart. Forgive me, Lord, of everything that's in my mind and my spirit. It's not by chance, Lord, that you've, that you've orchestrated this moment. So I pray, Lord, forgive me. And clean my heart, Lord. Keep, clean my life. the Holy Spirit is in this house right now speaking to us come on talk to him I need you come on tell him I need you come on confess yourself to the Lord yes Lord Jesus yes Lord Jesus yes Lord Jesus yes Lord Jesus Come on, someone say it. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew within me a right spirit, O Lord. Let my heart be pure before you, Lord Jesus. And let my actions, Lord, in my my life be kingdom-minded, Lord. Make me kingdom-minded. Help me to become kingdom-minded, Lord. Let the words of my mouth, come on, somebody say it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I come to worship you, Lord. And I come to worship you, Lord. I've come to worship you, Lord. I've come to give to you, Lord. I've come to prepare my way, my path. Oh, sweet spirit, restore us today. Clean us. This world is pressing against the church. So we've come to give you praise now. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, 
Let your voice out now. See, these are the cries of recovery. These are the these are the intercessory prayers of recovery. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Ayano Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of your name. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Amen. Yes, 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 yes. Before you leave this house, I hope that you would just lift your heart one more time to God. Oh, Father, we need you. Oh, Father.
That's it. That's right. Yes. Restore of my soul. Restore of my soul. The wise investor said when he was asked, when should I start planning for retirement? The wise investor answered, today. He said, is it too late? No, today is the day. Don't wait another day to make your investment in the kingdom. So wait for another day.